0: Kate parker this is warming signs a podcast with the sound minds of science the biggest game in football is this week and if nothing else will convince you that action and adaptation are needed to maintain our current lifestyle in a warming climate perhaps this will your beer is at risk whether it's water scarcity, changing growing patterns, or energy usage, making beer isn't a given in the future. Which is why I'm so glad I got to talk to Maisie Devine from Anheuser-Busch InBev about the risks that our favorite brews are now facing. And even better, the incredible innovation to keep our brewskis in stock. I mean, both of my animals are named after beer one brewski one pivo which is beer in check so i have a vested interest in this and one of those ideas that they're coming up with includes how waste from creating beer is being used to bake and create a protein source for those that need it most around the world i spoke to her during the social good summit and hope that this episode of warming signs will leave you with some deep thoughts while sipping your next cold one Maisie, thank you so much for taking some time out of the Social good Summit and coming to talk to me about beer.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I really appreciate being here and on the show with the listeners today.
0: So beer is not something that you typically think about fitting in with a climate summit. So how does that fit in? Is beer sustainable? Is it environmentally friendly? Why are you here talking about beer?
1: Sure. So beer is made from natural ingredients. So barley, hops, water, and yeast. And without those ingredients, there is no beer. And so we depend on thriving communities and environments in order to create our product. And given all of the recent environmental issues and and the weather, erratic weather patterns that come from climate change, our supply chain is at risk. And so we're here to talk about that and dive in a little bit more at the Social Good Summit.
0: So how is it at risk? What are those you know, kind of pressure points that you see?
1: Water, certainly. You know, without water, there is no beer. Increasingly, we're seeing, and I should say, we have 180,000 colleagues all over the world on the ground. And they are our eyes and ears telling us the changes that are happening in their environment so increasingly our communities are seeing more and more water risk and you see it all over the world so whether it's in Los Angeles or in India uh, China or Brazil we we are hearing that every day and we're starting to see issues in growing our agricultural products in uh, accessing clean water or having availability all the time and. It, it really, you know, impacts us and, and makes us think about the broader business and, and long term for the next one hundred plus years what that really could look like and it could and it's a little bit scary honestly
0: i think it is for a lot of industries but i don't think that you know growing barley and hops is always the first thing that is at the front of people's minds but water scarcity is and we see that playing out in so many places so many cities that are going down to you know day zero but what about you know are we seeing shifting areas of where barley and hops are being grown is that changing or are they being grown in the same place
1: They're being grown in the same places. We're doing a lot of work on uh, natural crop breeding to make the barley strains that we're using more resistant to erratic Mm. weather patterns, more stable. So that's something that we're doing. But we're also starting to open up new markets. We've just started uh, growing barley in Colombia. That's a new market for us. We're looking at uh, doing a new market in Ghana. So we are opening new markets, but we're also trying to shore up the supply chain, the current supply chain, by by putting in those new strains of of our crops.
0: So what would you say that the biggest threats are to beer from climate change? I mean, we're, we said water, for sure. And is it is that the primary one that you're concerned about?
1: Well, the erratic weather patterns also really affect the growth. And so you end up with disease Mm. with different pests that are affecting our our yield
0: oh yeah because they're moving right we don't have the same pests in the same location that makes sense
1: absolutely and different you know erratic storms that are wiping out crops or or different freezes at different times of the year that than we're used to that can completely wipe out an entire farmer's crop for that year and so we really have to we really knew that we had to dig in on this and start looking at where we could affect change. And so when we did our 2025 sustainability goals and we created and committed to them in 2018, uh, we looked at climate as being a really important part of that. And so we committed to reducing our carbon footprint by 25% mm-hmm. science-based and having 100% of our purchased electricity be renewable.
0: Okay. that's a Those are lofty goals for five years from now or so. But I mean, doable, doable goals. It depends on the day. Sometimes (laughs) it seems
1: more doable than other days, but it it is a stretch. And in some markets, we're really getting there quite quickly. And in others, it's much more of a struggle depending on the different regulations, um, depending on whether there's a market. Some places we're actually having to create the market for renewable energy Mm -hmm. where it didn't exist before. So it can be a slow -going, going process, but We're excited by the progress that we've made so far, and we're really working at it.
0: So what are some of those maybe big ideas? I know you guys had a challenge, a sustainability challenge, to come up with some of these ideas to uh, have a future of beer. What were the kind of coolest ones that come out of that that you saw?
1: So we last year, after we announced the goals, we also knew that we couldn't do this alone, that we had to look outside of our current operations, to find new technologies and innovation to actually close that gap of where we weren't sure how we were going to achieve the goals. And so we went out to all of our markets and we asked our subject matter experts in the company what were the big impediments to achieving the goals. And they fo- mostly focused around, uh, f- at least for for climate, uh, how to reduce our energy usage in breweries so in pasteurization um, how to reduce water in agriculture was is a big one so looking at drip irrigation conversion when where we don't have that today uh, we we also looked within the brewery walls how can we we be more efficient with our water usage uh, we looked at packaging is also a really big one mm, so how yeah. to reduce our packaging how to get rid of any plastic that we're using in our supply chain although, mostly were aluminum and glass those are our two biggest packaging but we do have some plastic so how do we get rid of that um and then the last one is around wait what am I missing those were at least the big ones that come to mind right now yeah uh and I think we so we put out those challenges and Mm -hmm. then we solicited all of these applications we had 660 from all over the world yeah wow. it was really cool to so see them global all come response. in yes very much so because these challenges affect everyone and so it was really interesting to see some of the local solutions coming out of these markets and we selected 21 companies to participate in the first cohort of this accelerator program we gave them hundred thousand dollars up to a hundred thousand dollars to pilot their solution with us to prove it and then scale it if it worked.
0: Wow! So, what is the what is an idea? What are what's like an example of one of the cool ideas?
1: So, here at the Social Good Summit, we're having one of our companies. It's called Banku, and what they do is they, for smallholder farmers in our supply chain, they help them create a digital financial identity that they can then use to access crop insurance loans better equipment, even savings accounts. I think we don't usually think about unbanked here in the developed world, but in so many countries, people just don't have access to financial instruments to improve their businesses and to shore up, you know, to get that insurance for when they have a bad year, that they don't get completely wiped out their whole business. I
0: mean, here in the U.S. alone, farmers average over a million dollars. The average for farmers is over a million dollars in debt, which is – unreal. And I've seen it happen with Hurricane Michael and the crops that were wiped out in North Florida and South Georgia. We're talking about pecan trees that take 10 years to come back and that there's no insurance to cover that. So is that kind of what you're talking about here, providing that elsewhere in the world?
1: Absolutely. That is an unbelievable figure, by the way. Wild, right? Crushing.
0: It is. It's, It's shocking. I don't think people realize how much risk is in farming. It's unbelievable. It
1: is. I had one of our experts was saying, you'll have two great years in a five-year period, two great years, two bad years, and one horrific year. Mm-hmm. And without insurance to cover that, you can see how you would completely you know, get the rug pulled out from under you and not be
0: able to recover. Not to like totally dive into this insurance and crops thing, but the, it totally speaks to what you guys are here talking about today that it's not only that like the amount that you're able to insure to is based on those average yields. So if you have a horrific year, everything's wiped out and you can't plant for 3 years, all of a sudden you can't even insure when you do get a crop to the level that you should be able to. It's a, anyways. And I can't I digress. <laughs> no,
1: but and also given how erratic the weather patterns are becoming, insurance is going to be increasingly more expensive because they have to Move the needle to be able to protect their own businesses themselves. So that's, I mean, I don't know a ton about this market, but I do know it's got to be changing too and probably accessing it. And it's getting, I'm sure the premiums are going to be getting more expensive. So it's it's definitely an issue. You
0: just don't really think about farming and financials to be so tightly woven, but they really are, especially with loans. And so that's basically what you're saying. This idea is trying to come up with a solution for globally.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's so cool. What about any other cool ideas or tech to come out of it? So,
1: one of my other really interesting ones is a company called Yushio out of China, and they are taking batteries from electric cars and trucks. So, electric car and truck batteries have about a 5 5 to 7 year lifespan before they need to be replaced. And those batteries, what do you do with them? This company refurbishes them and then puts them on on for puts them into use for on-site renewable storage. Oh, wow. So they get a second life, is what they call it.
0: Oh, because that's one of the biggest issues we have with renewable, like, you know, solar is the storage of it, and which has come a very long way in recent years. But this is basically saying you can take renewable energy, whether you're gathering it from wind or solar or hydropower, and store it in used car batteries? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to pause with Maisie for just a moment because she has two more incredible beer solutions that are going to blow your mind, but I wanted to make sure that our friends that prefer a different kind of bubbly don't feel left out from this conversation. Champagne is also at risk from climate change. Extreme heat waves, increasing drought, and erratic storms are causing poor quality and the loss of grapes year after year in France. The celebrated Champagne region is doing everything it can to help combat these concerns, but if it's flavor rather than tradition you're after, have no fear for English wines are here. Believe it or not, in a blind tasting in 2016, a selection of English sparkling wines actually beat out the champagne competitors. And you can think climate change for that. England has historically been too cold to produce quality sparkling wines, but heat waves moving north due to climate change have led to some great grapes that even fooled the judges in this competition. So if you need a bit of good bad news, sparkling wine and champagne is where it's at. Now let's get back to Maisie because she has two other ABM Bev Sustainability Challenge winners that are going to do big things to change the way that we think about beer.
1: There are a million electric vehicles going on the road every year in China, and I'm sure that's only gonna continue to grow. So in five years, you have a million car and truck batteries that are coming offline. You can take those, refurbish them, and then st- uh, store energy on site, which is great. And so we we worked with Yushio to create a power bank of those batteries at one of our. It's called Sutian Brewery in China, and it's go it's going along with our wind turbine there and and pulling that electricity down for us to use. It's a really amazing project.
0: So that goes to your goal of being one hundred percent renewable. Yes, exactly. And it's not just this huge power grid, huge wind farm, huge solar farm type of solutions that you're looking at.
1: No. And in China, you it has to be on site.
0: Huh. Why is that?
1: They have uh, different regulations around mm-hmm. purchase agreements for, elec- for renewable electricity, and you must have your electricity, your renewable le- electricity on site. That's part of the deal. And if you don't really have a huge... Footprint, you have to be really conscious of the space and how you're going to use it. So, this is a really interesting way for us to be able to actually get a wind turbine on there and store it and then use it oh to achieve the 100% renewable energy commitment.
0: That's fantastic. That's yeah. a great idea. Are there any others that really inspired you? I love hearing these good ideas.
1: So, there, there's another company called Rise actually here in Brooklyn, and it's, it's a little bit outside of the goals, but We still thought it was such an interesting company, we put it in the accelerator anyway. So they are taking, when you brew beer, you end up having what we call brewer's grain or spent grain at the end. So it's barley that has already been used in the brewing process, but is still left, and it still has tons of protein and fiber. And Rise is taking that brewer's grain and creating high fiber, high uh, protein flour for baking.
0: Okay, so people are baking then with the waste from making beer. Exactly, which makes sense. I mean, if you think about the ingredients that go into beer, it's basically liquid bread. You know, exactly. That kind of of makes sense that you would use it in that way. Exactly, and
1: sometimes now it goes to you know animal feed or Mm. to you know fertilizer in some capacity. But this is such an interesting way to use our co-product or our waste to be able to get a really good protein source uh, out to the market.
0: Fantastic. And
1: the um, the other amazing thing is that they've had incredible chefs use that flour. Oh. So, they've sent some of that flour to um, the that famous restaurant in northern Italy. It won best yeah. restaurant in the world. I, I think know it's you're called talking about. Osteria Francesca or something like that. David Chang has used their flour in baking. We were also talking to the Red Cross about – so making the flour, you have to take the the spent grain off-site. Mm-hmm. But you, they've figured out a way to actually do it on-site, and it's a really quick process into a kind of wet fruit bar that we were thinking about using – for disaster relief.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So many incredible innovations. Is this all giving you hope for the future of beer in a warming climate?
1: It is. I think there's still a long way to go. Uh, but you know, I, looking at people, innovators, and entrepreneurs who are giving their lives, and they have so much passion for solving these issues, mm-hmm. so much of the time the technologies are there. It's just implementing them. That's the problem. And that's why being here at the Social Good Summit and talking about the delivery decade 2020 to 2030 of achieving the UN SDGs, it's going to be a lot of private sector that's going to be implementing this to get it to scale to be able to make impact to deliver on those uh, UN SDGs.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with me.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate being here, Kate.
0: I hope that this episode will inspire some innovation discussion this weekend during the big game. If nothing else, you'll at least have some fun facts for when your team is losing and you need a distraction. If you love Warming Signs, or I mean if you even just, you know, like it a little bit, subscribe. Become a part of the Warming Signs family and tweet at me your comments and ideas at WeatherKate. That's at a i t. Until next time.